I'm Caddy. And I'm Teffer. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the Indigenous communities of that area. Thank you to everybody who's donated to the Upford Network fundraiser so far. We actually hit our first goal already. We allowed 60 days for this uh, fundraiser and 20 days in we are already at 109% of the original goal, which is very, very exciting. So thank you so much to everybody who's given so generously. Um, Because we hit our first goal so fast, we are on to stretch goals. A stretch goal is something you do when a campaign goes really well. Um, And it's sort of a next step of the next big thing we can do with this money. Our next stretch goal is $5,000. We're currently at 2,747. As of recording, we will be at more by uh, the time this is released. So our next stretch goal of 5,000 Canadian dollars will allow us to donate recording setups to two youth centers in our area. Uh, We've wanted Mm. to get involved with the community, yeah. So at first we thought we were donating a recording setting to set up to one community center and then uh, figured out a way to give it to two because two people applied and we wanted to give it to both. And that's super exciting, folks, because these two community centers are um, places I've worked at both of them, uh, full disclosure, um, and love stuff that they do. Um, mm-hmm. So there's the St. Raymond's Community Center in an NDG in Montreal and the Walkley Community Center, same neighborhood. They're two community centers who actually work together um, and who mainly uh, offer sports and uh, sports and leisure programs for uh, the community uh, and they work in very underserved areas uh, in enclaves of poverty uh, they work with a lot of people who are new immigrants and uh, also just folks who don't have the same types of privilege that a lot of us have. Um, So they're a lovely, two lovely groups, uh, both run uh, uh, by Comité Jeunesse Walkley Centre in partnership with Prevention Côte des Neiges NDG, uh, and both of them are funded by the City of Montreal for uh, for their their leisure programs. Um, And I can tell you that those funding uh, amounts are you know, they're never as big as would be nece- as would be needed uh, to make a real impact. And uh, this is going to help them get some equipment, which is always the hardest thing to find when you run a community center. Mm-hmm. So this is an incredible opportunity. In addition to equipment, this will actually also involve having a contact person at the network to provide tech support, consulting and workshops going forward. So it will not just be dumping some mics on them and running. We're really uh, investing in an ongoing relationship. Yes. 
The Upford Network's main goal is accessibility in podcasting, um, and that means accessibility across every barrier. So the other thing this provides is that in at least one of the centers, um, the space they're using will be fully accessible, and our actual network studio is not uh, wheelchair accessible. Um, So that's really exciting to include that in the neighborhood. So the stretch goal is really exciting. Um, We're really happy that we fundraised enough that our base need is met and we can go on to enrich our relationship with the community please donate if you're able if you're not able um, but you can share the campaign that's extremely helpful share it on your social media share it with your parents um, share it with whoever if you need some ideas on the best ways to share it please hit me up and I will help. Uh, we have scripts that we use. Um, we have fundraised a lot very effectively and no ways to make it less intimidating. So if you want to help in any way and you don't know how, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Twitter. You can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm on Teffer Bear at both. You can hit up the show email. Yeah, please donate. Help us do a cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is an awesome project. Yes, help us out. So Caddy. What up, T? <laughs> <laughs> I did a little scrolling back. And today is actually just because of how things worked out. Today is the anniversary of the last time we recorded in person. Oh. And this is actually coming out on the anniversary of that episode coming out because we switched from a Friday to a, uh, from a Monday to a Tuesday release. And um, I went back and and listened to it a little bit at the beginning, and it was right when the shutdown had kind of been announced. And uh, Mm -hmm. we were saying, I don't know, it was was just, it was interesting and a little sad to go back to it. But um, it is nice. I found it nice a year in to hear us sitting down in studio which just sounds different and was so nice and I miss it like crazy and to feel like that's gonna come again and like maybe not maybe not too long you know yeah yeah absolutely I can't believe that it's been a year it feels like simultaneously like it's been a decade and like it's been a night's sleep Um, which is a very strange place to land. Mm -hmm. Um, But a year later, and there is vaccination happening very slowly in Canada, but nonetheless. Um, And yeah, here's hoping that a year from now, maybe we'll all be in the stewed gazing at one another (laughs) and giggling very hard. Well, since the CDC has said, and now this is at the risk of, you know, recording something that a year later I'll listen to and go, oh, sweet summer child again. Um, (laughs) But the CDC is saying that once people are fully vaccinated and after the waiting period of four weeks, vaccinated people can hang out together. So I think it's going to be a while before we have, you know, crowds and stadiums and clubs and stuff. But and international travel. (laughs) 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 R.I.P. But I do think that our little neighborhood studio will be able to open uh, at some point in the near future. I'm really hopeful that being fat, I'm going to get my vaccine earlier. <gasps> that would be amazing. I uh, hope that for yourself. I hope it for myself as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, yeah, I look forward to being back in the studio and uh, uh, squeezing your children's yeah. adorable faces. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, gonna be so good. What about um, my adorable face, Caddy? Are you gonna squeeze my adorable face? I mean, we'd have to discuss boundaries, but of course, okay. I'm. I totally. <laughs> I love like kids will tell you immediately. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. adults, mm-hmm. you have to negotiate. Mm-hmm. So I'm down right. to negotiate. <laughs> So speaking of face squeezing, I don't know, this isn't a segue (laughs) that works. Um, Bailey is actually also moving to our neighborhood, which is exciting. So we're all going to just get, I know you don't technically live here, but like you're here all the time. Uh, So it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to get there. We're, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to get, it's going to be better one day. (laughs) Wow. All right. So this week. Yeah. We're just doing something fun because sometimes that's what you want to do. And we are reviewing the third and final movie in the Lara Jean Covey trilogy of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. To All the Boys I've Loved Before Always and Forever. Um, It's up on Netflix. You've probably seen it. Um, And we reviewed the other two films, so we're reviewing this one too. Caddy, what did you think? Heifer. I have so many thoughts. I grew up, okay, so I grew up in an era with like, I I was 13 in 1997. So like when uh, movies started, like the teen movie thing picked up again, like just went full throttle and and Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prinze Jr. were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, loved this I found that it was such a nice actualization of the genre and it was a great conclusion to the trilogy and all these young folks are so much smarter than I ever was and I am less worried for the future (laughs) how did you feel what a rousing appreciation for this film I also really liked it I um didn't I think have the highest hopes for it because I felt like the second one was like a little weaker than the first but I think that this came back and was just like boom here we go beautiful developed relationship I have to say that like uh this is a teen movie that gives me feelings um and the chemistry between Noah Centineo and and Lana Condor. I always almost call her Lara. I'm sure everybody does oh that. Gosh. But the chemistry between these two actors is really off the charts, um, which is really impressive. And and I feel that they do such a good job of <laughs> of acting. I guess I was like, how do I how do I describe this? There's a word for it. It's acting. <laughs> it's going to be like just really fully realizing their characters and behaving the way they would. Yeah, that's acting. That's what they do as a job. I just. I felt like we've seen the characters really mature and develop over the course of the movies. And that's something that's hard to do Mm -hmm. when you look at other kind of franchises. Um, You don't always see that that steady, consistent character development and relationship development. It's almost like a TV thing put into these movies. And and I really appreciated it. I love what you just said, and I think that that's um, that's really interesting about how we got really great character progression. Um, so maybe like we'll go over the plot. So just uh, so that uh, folks who have not watched this movie um, and who you know are maybe on the fence about 
watching it um, can get a better idea. So this is the story of uh, Lara Jane Covey, uh, Jean Covey, sorry, um, I'm French, so I read. We are reintroduced to Lara Jean. Um, she is in her final year of high school. She's in Korea, in South Korea with her, her dad, uh, her dad's new girlfriend, her sisters. They're having a great time. They're eating snickety snacks. It's awesome. Um, she's, uh, she comes home and she's, you know, she and Peter, they're still together. Um, and they're trying to figure out uh, going to school. So they're going to college the following year. Um, so then, uh, you know, th that's pretty much uh, where the story goes from there. Uh, Lara Jean has to uh, apply for schools, gets accepted to some, gets rejected to some, and has to make some grown-ass lady decisions, which she does, and quite well as well. Right. Mm -hmm. I there's like mm -hmm. so. This is the story of an Earth sign. Lara Jean is a Taurus, uh, having oh to boy. deal with her plans <laughs> changing, and you know, um, just having to figure that out. Uh, and I was really impressed with the way that, like, I'm used to with romantic comedies, there being a central situation that is based around people not communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. um, that is so often the case. And in this one, there was a little bit of that, but never for very long. And I really appreciated seeing a movie where the plot can be furthered without something catastrophic happening. Um, and it was still interesting and engaging without the like really high highs and low lows. Like it was just kind of gentle and progressive and, uh, and sweet and loving. And I really, really liked that. Absolutely. Can we talk about the relationship between um, um, I, just the B story for one moment? Because there's a like rebuilding of a family network yeah. that has happened in a in over the course of three movies. And I really, really dig the stepmom. Um, she's really, really kind. And uh, her name is Trina. And she's she's really nice and supportive and she leaves space and she also takes space and she's not afraid of jumping into this new role of 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 step parenting uh while also having very clear boundaries which i i dug it i was like this was well written this was written probably by someone who has a stepchild um and who probably wanted to show off their 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 hopes and dreams for what it can look like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, I I mean, you know, I love a, a good blended family story. Um, and I really appreciated it, especially with it being sort of um, a step parent with older step kids coming in. Because it's one thing when you like in my family, um, my daughter and I moved in with my partner when she was three. So like very early on, very much a role in her life. But like when you're coming in, when the kids are going off to college, it's like a very different dynamic. And I thought they handled it really, really well. And I loved seeing Lara Jean's hunky dad find love with an equally hunky woman. Can you, can you call women hunky? Yeah. Saraya what Rao totally is hot. She is hot. So that was nice. She is. Yeah. She is. She's super hot. Um, I, I I do agree that John Corbett, John Corbett of, of Sex and the City fame, um, the guy that Carrie doesn't marry, um, you know. I've never watched Sex and the City. 
Oh, that's good. That's okay. <laughs> His season is really good, though. But okay. like, it made me want to have like a really heteronormative life with like a man who builds furniture. That's how John Ham's um, photo shoot and in style made me feel. So I get it. Okay, mm-hmm. Teffer, let's talk about John Ham. Um, let's talk about our friend John Ham. I believe that John Ham should have made a cameo in this movie simply for the anti-factor like because now it it, like if he were in it it would take it like not only would we have john corbett but we would also have john ham and it would be like a john sandwich that you can picture yourself in and you can watch this movie with like nieces and nephews because this is like it's a cheesy movie it's Mm -hmm. cheesy young teen movie about Mm -hmm. love like this is not something you're watching with your mom and dad this is like something that like your cool auntie makes you watch when you're like 14 to start talking about certain you know life questions mm-hmm. um so yeah where's my john ham where's my john ham that's the only thing missing in this movie there you go john ham do you think john ham uh would have made a better step parent than than sorry you Rao? <gasps> oh that's a great question i think that um i don't know if i could handle john corbett and john ham kissing on screen so he it would have had to be just like a soft core movie about the two of them what about a thruple? that's it i wouldn't be interested oh well now you're a thruple yes but i need some one-on-one time i feel like john corbett and yeah. john ham is something i could watch for an hour or two and i feel like sarayu blue might also you know feel that way (laughs) yeah you know that's a good point let's get some female gaze on this Um, oh yes so spring has sprung and on that note uh noah centineo who i was not (laughs) sure about honestly in the first movie when everybody was like noah centineo so hot i was like i don't know but i swear his neck gets larger every movie (laughs) and like i mean i think they had to stop making these movies strictly because noah centineo's neck cannot get any larger without causing him harm and um he's just turned into a a crag of a man um young man beef yes (laughs) and i mean i was on the lacrosse team in high school and i joined the lacrosse team in high school for a boy uh incidentally who was also named noah so i guess i have a history here anyway i appreciated that i um (laughs) i appreciated that my challenge with Noah Centineo is that um, I he is really adorable, but they keep casting him in these things where he like I'm I have a feeling that Noah Centineo has not looked his age like past the age of like fifteen probably, and like but so he looks like a twenty five year like he really does look like a twenty five year old playing an eighteen year old. And it makes me uncomfortable because, like, I have this little, like, loin quivering action that happens when he appears. Because he also looks like a bit of a meathead. And, like, I just want to fill his head with intersectional ideas. (laughs) Just want to fill his head with meat. (laughs) Sorry. You know, I mean, like, like, while feeding him, while feeding him pepperoni sticks, you know? (laughs) Like, there's just. So, just to be, I mean, I I think Noah so Centineo, sorry. No Noah Centineo is only twenty four. 
And when they filmed the first one, he was like 20, I think. So mm-hmm. he's the age difference. Like, like, obviously, it's cool to see teenagers play teenagers. But when you're talking about a movie that has like kissing and things like that, it is. I'm sure there are reasons that it's easier to just work with adult actors. Yes. Um, so I do understand sort of casting Walter. Like, I understand and also, like, at the same time, I don't know. Like, I know people who had, like, full beards at 15. That's true. And, like, when, you're, when your job yes. is okay. to be incredibly ripped, like, because you're on a sports scholarship. Like, I think they beefed him up on purpose because he has a sports scholarship. I mean, I'm not opposed to the beef. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to put it that way. I think I'm just going to accept that, like, part of my anti-vibes is, like you know, the kind, you know, auntie who looks. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely, every time I remember that Noah Centineo was actually born in 1996, I get... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I have memories from 1996. Like, I think that in itself tells me that I can't. I can't. Like, I have memories from that time. Like, <laughs> concrete, like, going to play, like, soccer baseball and like wanting to organize a a league in my neighborhood and stuff like that like (laughs) these are legit like these are complicated you know exploration of self like moments I can't think that like he might have been born at that moment yeah oh I feel I think this is just part of getting older though because like the older you get the more of the people in the world were born at a time when you have memories you know yeah but I mean, I would like to be able to thirst openly about everyone, really. I just like, I feel like there's a big difference between like thirsting and like actually dating, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> like, for sure. But like, let's not forget, I am a judgmental human, right? Like, right. Like, right. I'm a very judgmental person and I judge myself worse than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, but before um, this turns into therapy. Ross Fleming Butler, who plays Trevor, is in fact 30. So. Okay. Okay. Speaking of pretty things, the aesthetic of these movies is so pretty. I want to live in it. Uh, Lara Jean always has the prettiest clothes. Um, yes. She's like intimidatingly put together. Uh, oh. She looks perfect. Always. I mean, and that's partly because, like, like, Lana Condor is beautiful and, like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. um, And is stunning in this movie. Like, I don't know. We just talked a bunch about Noah Centineo, but, like, let's give this girl her dues. She is the eye candy of the movie. And so much more than that. Oh, she's she's absolutely adorable. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And uh, her, like, dressing as, like, an expression of her style is a really big part of her character development in the books. But something that I appreciated so much, um, I look at costuming a lot. And um, in the scene where they go to New York City and she's walking around with yes. Chris, there's a scene <laughs> where Lara Jean is, like, in her outfit, which is super cute with, like, skirt and socks and stuff. And Chris is in, like, her cool jeans and T-shirt and hat. Mm. And there's, like, a mm. shot of them walking together. And I was just, like, I love seeing, I really loved seeing their characters so expressed through their costuming and, like, I don't know. There was something about the the scene that really struck me of like 
teens have so many fashion options and that is really nice and like there's so much self-expression possible and that is really nice yes and i like yes seeing also this. peep the beautiful 90s fashion coming back into style I, through this movie like yeah, i'm kind of into flares coming back i'm not gonna wear low-rise flares because there's literally nowhere for the waistband to go <laughs> but i'm really excited about flares just general flares flares look really so good sorry. on me <laughs> oh i I'm, yeah. I'm totally listen i am i have worn my share of flares yeah. and i think that they do look really good on folks i um i find it just interesting i love that there was um a lot of flats um yeah. for the characters which was really nice like yeah. lena condor is she's she's not very tall i think um, but it was nice to see her be comfortable. There is yeah. something really charming about people not having to wear stilettos. Also, no one wears stilettos in high school. Let's 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 kindly dispel that myth. Like, not that is the minority. Mm-hmm. It is not the majority. So, seeing like a beautiful like uh, ankle boot, like yeah. a nice little like leather ankle boot situation, a cute tennis shoe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was here for it. Um, uh, you know who uh, Lara Jean makes me think of? Every person who does bullet journal videos on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is the aesthetic um, that that might, you know, it's very well put together for like someone who's very young and even in going through chaos still looks very put together. I yeah. like it. Yeah, it's very nice, but very accessible as well. Like yeah. doesn't feel like it's out of out of reach stylistically. It's not something that I can manage. It's an aesthetic I greatly admire, but can't. But mm-hmm. it like makes Lara Jean feel like my friend. Like it's very like. <laughs> It's very relatable. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. So there's something that was really fun in this movie that I wanted to to bring up as well, which is um, the relationship between the sisters. Because um, you said style. And I love that all three of them are styled very differently mm-hmm. um, to fit with their personalities. You know, like there's there's um, uh, there's Margot, who's in who lives in Scotland now, mm-hmm. um, you know, who has like a bit of a more like mature maybe slightly edgier kind of appeal Mm -hmm. and then you've got like her sister kitty who's younger but who is also on the cusp of uh you know of of adolescence of 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 becoming a sexualized being i guess and uh there's an i love how they're styled differently because they start off with uh, kitty styled very um very childlike uh very like um big fan of uh, k-pop fan and like slightly nerdy lots of overalls and bright colors kind of thing um and the movie starts off with kitty starting getting like getting attention from Mm -hmm. a potential partner kind of thing Mm -hmm. and seeing that slight evolution even within the movie towards the end you know like we see kitty come out of her shell a little bit but still be have a very like clear like she's definitely punk rock um so there's something really fun there and i love their relationships i think that this this film series i mean i i I haven't read the whole book series so i don't feel comfortable speaking on that but Mm -hmm. but the the importance of the familial tie and of sisterhood Mm -hmm. and of being yourself within sisterhood not like sisterhood not as a not as a means to to conformity but as a means to having a social net yeah um you know very very uh very nice 
Very nice. Very, uh, very, very nice. Yeah, I know we talked about generations last week. And I know that technically, at least Lara Jean and Kitty are both Gen Z. Probably all three of them are. Um, but I, f- I do feel like there's like a nice like Margot is the millennial and Kitty is absolutely Gen Z and Lara Jean is like somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. um, which I find which, kind of which fun. makes it strange because their dad is basically Generation X. Mm-hmm. And when you think about like who's it like how their dad is played, like he's very like very easygoing, very like, <laughs> whereas like, I guess that my definition of Gen X is much different and a bit more, <laughs> bit more raspy. <laughs> right, right. Bit more, bit more, bit more despondent, <laughs> bit more angry. Well, I mean, he has money. <laughs> oh, I think money probably <laughs> He was probably really yeah it's true you're right but there's also probably like character development (laughs) in you know losing your wife when you have young children and uh learning to be a good parent i know i'm just still thinking about him um softly making out with john ham and (laughs) i guess that's why i keep coming back to him Um, Um, (laughs) so i want to return briefly actually because you said something about noah centineo yes and peter kavinsky specifically his character that i felt was an unfair characterization because you said that his head is his head is full of meat and he's sort of a typical meat head um and i disagree i think peter kavinsky is the perfect himbo and like himbos are a development from gen z which i am so grateful for i love it i love it so much but Peter Kavinsky is just sweet and beautiful and wants to do nice things and just play sport no thoughts and I like that about him (laughs) Um, I think he is a good husband material um, oh god (laughs) but like not in the like traditional sense in the like he will just sit there no thoughts head empty and support Lara Jean while she pursues things (laughs) and I love that I really like that that is the kind of like that is the kind of like <clears throat> soft masculinity I want to see in the world. You know, I've got there is nothing wrong with a boy who plays sport. Like I like, and I a boy who plays sport. <laughs> and I very think, specific. I think we've really seen his character develop as well. Where like in the first movie, um, he he is like a little bit of a like skis. Or at least he comes across that way. And we see him develop into just, like, a person who has feelings that are complex and he has to work with them. But he is really showing a lot of emotional intelligence and a lot of kindness and a lot of generosity. Um, And I was really moved by that. I thought that was really, really nice. I like a movie that says you don't have to give up the, like, all-American jock sort of category, mm-hmm. prom king category. You don't have to give that up for emotional intelligence. Like, you Absolutely. can be prom king and you can have a lacrosse scholarship and you can also be really a really attentive and caring partner who constantly investigates and questions and betters their own emotional responses. And it's not an either or. Because I feel like we got first, you know, the high school jock movie and then there was like a like, don't be a jock, be the arts boy. And I'm really enjoying this kind of pushback against that. That's like, no, be whatever. Just like be kind. <laughs> Seriously. 
Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I think, huh, I, uh, himbo is a new, uh, is, is a new word that's going to enter my oh. dictionary. Oh, um, I had enjoy. never heard the term. Oh, it's delightful. Um, <laughs> it's making me wonder what it says about the characterization of female desire in high school through movies because if for Lara Jean to be able to fully you know express herself in her true authenticity she needs a partner who's gonna sort of hold her purse while she does the shopping Mm -hmm. like I mean what's he getting out of it I mean I get it she's she's very good looking um she's very smart but she's also I find not the warmest character yeah and at times you know highly narcissistic so um yeah so I'm kind of just wondering what that says about the shift that we may see in the years to come in the portrayal of uh you know young families desires and what kind of partners they're looking for Mm -hmm. because there seems to be this like pie of attention and it's like, well, one partner has to want most of the pie and the other partner has to want not scraps, but like has to be OK with like eating a piece of pie with not a lot of fruit filling in it. Um, are you enjoying my pie analogy? I because just love I'm pie. uncomfortable with it all of a sudden. <clears throat> so, yeah, I wonder what that uh, where have we seen this elsewhere, like a shift in uh, in the um. desires of female protagonists? I think it's really interesting. I I I would argue that I mean as a a partner who likes to have a lot of attention pie um who is actually with a partner who also does um I do think that there are people who are okay with not constantly mm-hmm. having crises that need to be managed. <laughs> I have heard about people who do not live life from crisis to crisis. Um rumors uh, Tell me more about these people. Whispers on the wind. Land? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think that necessarily, I mean, you know, me being somebody who posts selfies on Twitter every day, being like, please look at me and tell me I exist. Uh, I can't necessarily get inside the head of somebody who doesn't feel the need to do that. Mm, but fair. like my perception of what is a need for attention in a relationship might be different. Um, mm. And like... I don't necessarily think that Peter Kavinsky is not getting anything out of the relationship. I think he just may have simpler needs, more basic needs needs from a relationship. And I need in a relationship to have somebody who constantly, constantly reassures me uh, that they still like me by doing various things. But like, I don't know. I'm not sure... I'm trying to figure out if it is an imbalance in the attention pie or if it's simply like complementary relationship needs. Mm, That's interesting. Complementary relationship needs would be a good band name. (laughs) Great band name. (laughs) Yes. Um, Absolutely. 
Um, that would be ideal. That would be incredible. I think it's also because we don't get the perspective of Peter. Yeah. Um, we got it a bit more in the first movie. You know, it kind of like the first movie gives us a better indicator of who he is. And then in the subsequent ones, it's kind of just like evolution, evolution. Mm -hmm. But like in in small bites, like he's not at the center of the story, mm -hmm. um, which is also interesting because I found in this uh, third, the final installment of the series, it ends up being about her and herself. Mm -hmm. It's not about her versus others. It's not about her and the perception of it really is a story about Lara Jean. And and that is interesting as well. Hmm. That, I mean, we don't see Peter give up anything that Lara Jean doesn't also give up. True. In the movie. Like, it's one thing when you're talking about people giving up their college dreams. And side note, the one thing that I just kept saying through this movie is college should not be this big a deal this is ridiculous but um <laughs> like the pressure that we put on 18 year olds for a decision yeah. that will impact four years of their life and ultimately like yes there are it's schools wild. that maybe open more doors but they shouldn't <laughs> um anyway so it was really remarkable to me to notice the manufactured pressure that we put on 18 year olds instead of just letting them chill yes. and do what makes them happy at the time um and the performative <laughs> side also because there's all these um clips of actual acceptance uh, like youtube mm -hmm. acceptance videos right well and this is like i mean i went to school in canada i'm very grateful that i did but having moved here i went to high school in the states and saw the high school uh application college pro uh process and it's so mm -hmm. different like in Canada you just kind of apply to your local universities like unless you have a very specific reason to go elsewhere the yeah. assumed thing is that you're just gonna go to whatever university is closest <laughs> um, yes. and like if you're in Montreal sure you choose between like you'll choose a French or English campus you'll choose between like those specific schools but there's no like you're moving across the country because this school is going to give you the special experience um but when you're in the states like there's not really any like that you don't have any idea that it's done differently in other places mm -hmm. like it really is this like huge 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 decision with a great deal of pressure on it which was made easier for me because I just went where it was cheapest which is another factor that's not really talked about except maybe nodded at because like Peter needs to go where his scholarship is yes yeah I do feel like Peter and Lara Jean are from different classes and I think yes. that seeing that dynamic more would be really interesting but also that's not what this series is about <laughs> Class wars seen through high school love love stories. I love it. I think that that's. I mean, I would I would watch that show in mm -hmm. a heartbeat. I would watch that show. Like that's awesome. Isn't, what a fun idea. Isn't that what Riverdale is? I've never seen Riverdale. Is that what Riverdale is? <laughs> Riverdale feels a bit more like a Jumanji um, combined with like. <laughs> something it's it's not my um preferred viewing experience Caddy, i'm so sorry that. you came in here with this like excellent <laughs> analysis of like teenage desire and i'm just talking about himbos and class war 
I love Himbos and Class Wars. Another great band name, Himbos and Class Wars. Episode um, title. <laughs> I mean, look, I've I'm new to the Himbo universe, right? And um I have to first make sure that I fully understand it before I pronounce myself on it because otherwise I'm just going to say something that I'm going to regret and that someone's going to make fun of me for yeah. one day in my life and I'm afraid of that. Oh, I'm a complicated person with complicated feelings. This is what happens. This mm -hmm. is what happens. Mm -hmm. Yep. We've been inside Oof. also for a very long time. And winter is like sort of ending. And, and my instinct is just to go run outside and like touch everyone's face. Yes. I think that's all I want to do is I just want to caress people's faces, like people's cheeks gently. Um, and that's a really odd, like I just want to like walk down the street and just gently caress people's cheeks and make them uncomfortable. Um, I'm, I'm a horrible person. I'm sorry. No, I get it. You can caress my, my cheeks. All right. Sounds good. Is there anything else that we haven't mentioned about this movie that we uh, enjoyed? Is there anything that um, you didn't enjoy in this movie? Well, I didn't love that John Hamm wasn't in it. And that, folks, is our review of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Zero Always out of ten. <laughs> I just tried to say zero out of ten very low ham content, but I accidentally <laughs> said zero out of ham. I noticed. Oh, it was good. Oh, yes. Um, so since this movie does not contain any John Hamm content, I'm going to go ahead and give it, you know, uh, um, a generous, uh, I will watch this series again when I have the flu. Yeah. Um, but it will not go into the heavy rotation due to the lack of John Hamm. Keep an eye out for our newest podcast, reviewing movies by their level of John Hamm involvement. Oh, God. I love it. We could do crossovers with Tom's podcast and talk about ham-based foods. Maybe we could get ham on ham. <gasps> I just pictured... I'm uh, having an appropriate thought. John Hamm-faced. Yep. <laughs> you want a little John Hamm-witch? <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. No, I don't think you should be sorry. I think the people need to hear this. I think I think we need to just make sure everyone's on the John Ham train. And like I don't care what your preferences are. He's just so handsome. I, I I've been reading about him recently. It was yeah. his birthday this week. I know. He has the Do same you know how many people have fainted what? when they meet him? How many? Apparently, I read uh, several. Okay. Apparently, uh, there was a, a Twitter thread on this, and it killed me. Uh, this person said, I saw John Hamm across the hall and fainted. I woke up to his assistant saying, happens all the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was perfect. Um, Do you know where I can get tickets yep. <laughs> for the to ride the John Hamm train? You mentioned. <laughs> If I answer that, we may have to bleep it. <laughs> John so, Hamm, please um, write a young adult book. Yes. So um, basically, this is the end of the podcast is, hey, John Hamm, come <laughs> hang out with um, Caddy and Tepper. We'll show you a really good time. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to Yeah! 
If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast, and individually, I'm at caddy double underscore D. And I'm at Teffer Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. 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 Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stetchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, and Emmett Cameron. Whoop whoop. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. I heard John Ham works there. <clears throat> you can also support us for free. <laughs> you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. A, a, a friend who likes to all the boys I've loved before. A friend who likes John Ham. A friend who maybe or maybe John Ham's. If you know or John Ham, just this John Ham. Yes. Let him know. Listen, I am super open to hangouts. I'm casually very queer, so I can do all the fun things that yeah. the straights won't do. I'm making a very inappropriate smile to John Ham. Please <laughs> let's make sure my mother never hears this. <laughs> Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song. Jenny's Groove is our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefera Jenny, and that's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. And I think you're going to like them just as much as I do, because they're crazy, and they're wacky, and they're hilarious, and they're definitely real people, and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday, early in the morning. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.